morning. I'm gonna find the best. Oh, thank you, Tasha. Well, good morning. Surprise, you get me today. <laughs> if I haven't met you yet, uh, Omar and I uh, pastored this amazing church, and um, he is homesick. So um, the benefits of being married to a preacher wife is you have a backup plan. <laughs> so <laughs> I am excited to share the word today. It absolutely is devastating for Omar to not be here. He still wanted to come. And I said, honey, we kindly ask everyone who has a fever to not come to church. So uh, let, let's keep that, that, that rule. Is that me? Okay, I'm going to try not to do that. I don't know what I did. Um, but it is good to be here. God is good. Amen? Uh, well, can we give it up for our youth pastors? We have an incredible... We are so blessed for uh, Dylan and Tasha and the way that they are leading our youth and um, <clears throat> bringing about a culture for our young people here at Grace. So uh, before we go any further, though, I want to pray. Can we do that this morning? Father, you are so good. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you provide a place for us to come and to hear your truth. And God, we know that your word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And this morning, I ask that your word would bring life to those that need life today. God, that your word would bring freedom and truth. God, we thank you in advance for the transformation that is gonna happen as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, last week, which it's funny because I thought it was like several weeks ago and then I quickly realized it was last week. How many of you are in that season of life where something that happened yesterday seems like forever ago, right? Time is just going by so fast. Well, last week, uh, we had the opportunity as a church to partner with one of our middle schools and serve them. So we uh, did some painting, we did groundwork, a great day connecting with the fire department and each other serving our school. Well, something happened on that day to me specifically that um, towards the end of my experience, I said, this is gonna be a sermon one day. <laughs> And my husband said, not if I get to it first. And so when the opportunity came yesterday, I thought, okay, this is my chance to uh, tell the story so that everyone can laugh with me, not at me, if it was coming from someone else. So we are ready for school cleanup. I'm, I am dressed with, you know, clothes that I... I'm okay getting dirty, not ruined, but dirty is fine. I wore my daughter's shoes because we wear the same shoe size now, and I was like ready, you know, thinking I might get a little dirty, not too bad. Well, it came time to paint, and I like painting. So I started off painting yellow curbs. Went great. Got a few little smudges here and there. Didn't think it was too bad. Thought, okay, I'm gonna move on to the next painting project. The next project was bright red handrails that are like going up steps and down steps, okay? So I go up there and, you know, people were like kind of getting ready and I'm like, come on, let's get this show on the road. Take charge. So I start pouring paint. I don't put anything down to pour the paint on. I don't 
you know, think about how much paint I'm pouring in. I'm just like, come on, let's do this, right? So I start handing off all these buckets of paint, little, little flimsy buckets, and then it's my turn. So I get my bucket, I get my roller, I dip it in, and I start smearing it on. Started smearing on a lot of paint, right? I, I noticed I was like dropping a little on the ground, but I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, no big deal. Start realizing I'm getting a little bit on my arms, it's okay, no big deal. This is just what happens when you paint, right? So I continue on, continue to leave little marks in my mind thinking they're just little marks. Nobody's gonna even notice them. It's all right. We have a job that needs to get done, so we're just gonna keep moving until the job is done. Move on to the third set of handrails where I meet about six other people. At this point, somehow, I had paint down my entire side, my feet, my shoes, my daughter saying, Mom, those are my shoes. There's red paint on them, all over my hand. And I began to realize at that point, maybe I'm putting too much paint on the roller and it's splashing places that it's not supposed to be. And I look at everyone else and no one else has paint on them. So I realized, okay, something's off. Some people are wearing gloves. I was like, oh, that was, a, that was a good idea. Some people have like rags with them to clean it up as it happens, like as it's fresh. I thought, oh, that was kind of smart. But did I start doing that? No. I said, come on, guys. We got another set of rails on the other side. Let's head over and get that one. So this one has stairs that are going up, and I started at the bottom. And I start talking to the people I'm with, and actually I've kind of put my pastor hat on, and I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm talking, and you know, just really trying to multitask, which we're not supposed to do. We think we're supposed to be good multitaskers. We're not supposed to multitask. So all of a sudden, I'm about four stairs up, and I look down, and there is paint all the way down the steps. And not just down the steps, but at some point, as the paint was falling out of my bucket, it fell on me. So I now have not just splotches, it is a full water fountain paint experience, waterfall all the way down me on the ground. What do I do? Go into cleanup mode. Oh, that was my shame. That was even, I, somebody, okay, some of you guys were there and you just thought it was funny. They said to me, Misty, I really think you need to just stick with your pastoral gifting. That's it. So um, that was just right at the moment of what just happened. And I go, that's okay. I'm great at cleaning up. I got this. So I go and I grab some towels and I just start cleaning it up. You're not supposed to do that. Poor Brandon, who is a professional and had everything that you need to do this job, said, Misty, please stop. <laughs> and I went and got mineral spirits. And I was thinking, seriously, in my head, I'm like, mineral spirits? Like alcohol? What? I am so confused on what's happening. Okay, so I go to Mark Matthews. Is Mark Matthews in the room? No. He is on the other side with mineral spirits cleaning up some mess that somebody made all the way down those stairs. And I just kindly said, can I borrow that, that, that stuff you're using? And I go over there. Obviously, I had made an even bigger mess. At this point, it was spread all over the concrete. 
And Brandon begins to teach me the proper way to clean up paint that soaks into the concrete. You have to blot, not wipe it everywhere else, right? So I, at that point, was told I could no longer paint. <laughs> and I had somebody come alongside me for 45 minutes and help me clean up my mess. Now, why am I telling you this super embarrassing story today? Because it immediately reminded me of how it feels when we find ourselves in a mess. See, oftentimes, we find ourselves in a trial, a situation that wasn't our fault. We didn't do anything to have to be in this fire. Uh, maybe there was a diagnosis, a death of a loved one, uh, somebody else's sin that has now impacted you greatly. You name it. There are many different trials we'll find ourselves in that it wasn't necessarily your decision that you're walking through it. But more often than not, we find ourselves in a mess that we caused. That somewhere along our journey, we begin to make some decisions that ultimately put us in this mess. And how do we get through that? What's life like when we make a mess of things? Where's God at in our mess? My hope for you this morning is that you realize that God is right there, ready to help you through that mess ready to pick you up and get through it. So obviously anybody in this room who's past that age of puberty has probably found themselves in a mess at some point or another that you made, right? James 1.15 says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full born, full grown, gives birth to death. See, often we can read that scripture and we leave it at that. It's like, oh man, sounds awful. We need a savior. Thank you, Jesus, that we aren't eternally uh, sent to death, right? Because that's why Jesus came. But we need to read between the lines. We need to fully understand what's happening here. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man or woman who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test... When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised for those who love him. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he is being tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his or her own desire. James 1.15 reminds us, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So what does that have to do with my paint story, right? Let's look at it for a minute. I was in a hurry to complete a project. I didn't listen to wisdom and prepare. Some people had gloves, drop cloth, rag, appropriate clothing and shoes. I didn't listen to the warning signs. The very first smudge of paint should have done something about it. But instead, I, I continued on. I didn't ask for help 
I didn't ask those who knew a little bit more what I should do. I wanted to do it on my own, pride. And oftentimes, that red, shiny paint might be a relationship. It might be a conflict. It might be your taxes, your time clock at work, your bank account, your coworker, your marriage. Are you getting the picture? The first part of that passage says, blessed is the person who remains steadfast under trial. How often does temptation come when we're under trial? When life is hard. When those circumstances that we are out of control, the temptation often comes then. How many of you heard the saying, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy? Because often when we're so busy and we're going from one thing to the next, we don't take time to stop and recognize those little smudges, recognize those areas in our life that we've let go, recognize the things that maybe are leading us down a path that we never wanted to go. I'm in a season of life where I have many older and wiser people that are very actively part of my life. And I am so grateful for that because I know that they have been in a mess a lot and they've learned some really hard lessons and they have learned to slow down. Oftentimes we can look at the, the older generations and, and think, oh, they're, they're slower because they're older. Right. No, they're slower because they're wiser. And they have walked a lot of roads and they have learned a lot of lessons. Are we listening to that? Or are we so busy to get the job done? Are we so busy to get what we want, right? We're lured through our own desires. That's what the scripture says, through our own desires. Do you know what the desires that you have that you're not putting in the Lord's hands? What do I mean by that? Some desires that we have are God-given. Some desires that we have are meant to bring fruit into our life. They are meant to experience his goodness. Psalms 145:19 says, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Psalms 24 says, may he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. See, these desires will point you into the goodness of God. They will spur you on. They will ignite your faith. They will be a purpose for others in the kingdom. It's the desires that are selfish that lure us into the temptation of sin. Sometimes it takes time to reflect. Are we making margin in our life that we can pull aside and spend time with the Lord? Do you know if you're lacking emotional support? Are you lacking vision, goals, motivation? Are you lacking self-control? We have to identify these things that we're lacking, that we might be seeking out other things to fill so that we know how to recognize when a temptation comes. Some questions to ask yourself to, 
about these things and to recognize them are these. What do I spend time thinking about when I'm alone? What do I do when I'm stressed? What is the emotional response or action when I'm upset? How do I relax? How am I treating those around me? Where am I putting my time and money? And oftentimes, when we are being led by the desires of our flesh, by our selfish desires, we aren't the first ones to recognize it. But people closest to us will point it out. And oftentimes, our response is not good. And we think that something's wrong with them. When ultimately we need to be thankful that we have people that love us enough to point out some of those areas in our life. Are we listening to that? When I was painting, people were telling me I was getting paint on myself. And do you know what I was saying? Oh, well. I wasn't thinking about all the effect that it would have on everything and everyone else. We didn't finish in time, partly because 45 minutes of three people's labor was spent cleaning up my messes. Not only did I have paint all over myself, I pull out my key fob, and my key fob is covered in red paint. My car right now still has paint on the door, on the trunk, on the seat. Not to mention, it's not my car, it's my parents' car. I suddenly feel like a teenager when they listen to this online that I'm getting caught, that I got paint on my parents' car because of my mistake, my decision to not listen to wisdom. We need to have an action plan so that we don't give in to the desires of our flesh. James 1.15, what does it say? Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When it is full born, full grown, gives birth to death. What's this scripture referring to? I've said it now three or four times. I'm hoping you get it in your head before you leave today. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As a follower of Christ, born again, we're not meant to experience the agony of spiritual death. When sin is active in our life, there is spiritual, physical, and emotional impl implications. We feel it. We might not wanna admit it, but if you have active sin in your life and you are keeping that from somebody else and you are trying to cover it, there are things that are showing in your life. And you might think nobody sees it, they see it. They might not be able to know what it is, but they see it. And so often we want to cover it up and we don't wanna confess it, we don't wanna deal with it, we don't want people to know our mess because we don't wanna hurt somebody else. We don't want them to have to go through the mess with us. We don't want our mess to affect them, but it already is. Our mess is already affecting those around us. And you have a choice to do something about it or to stay in it. Some of us 
have been in the same mess for 15, 20 years because we refuse to let others in. Isaiah 59.1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken falsehood, your tongue mutters wickedness. See, often we can bypass these scriptures because of another scripture that says nothing can separate us from the love of God. And amen, that is true. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But do you know how much you're missing out when you continue to allow those iniquities, that sin in your life? You are missing out on the blessings of God. There's very clear things in the word that brings about sin that will lead us down to a path of death, that will hold us in bondage. We have to get to a place where we're willing to recognize that. Because see, if it ended with nothing can separate us with the lo- from the love of God, why did Jesus come? Why did he die the death that he died? If there was no need for repentance, if there was no need for help out of our mess, then why? So therefore, we need to have faith to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. If we give in to the lies of sin is life, uh, sin in our life is okay, justifying it by certain levels of sin, oh, I do this, but it's not as bad as that, so it's okay. God and I are good. Can I tell you, Jesus went to hell and back for you. See, often in our culture today, we throw around the word hell like it's biting into a rotten apple that tastes gross when ultimately we will never be able to understand the pain that Jesus did for you and I. And we have to be careful as believers that we don't become numb to that. Because as soon as we start to become numb to the reality of who Jesus is, we miss out on all the joy all the truth, all the freedom, all the grace, and all the mercy that he has for us. He saved us from our mess so that we're, when we're in a mess, because we will be in a mess, we will have sin, we will make mistakes, he came so that he can pick us up out of our mess and walk with us and help us. He chose to come down to our level to hold our hand through our junk. He promises us mercy and peace. He promises us hope, even in the middle of our ish, right? 
He promises that. God doesn't ask us to have it all together, guys. If we had it all together, we wouldn't need him anymore. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to recognize him, to repent and invite him in. It's then that we'll experience freedom, even when things are hard because of our own consequences. We can still have joy in that. The big idea today is four things that I want you to know that can help you walk through your mess. One, we gotta recognize our mess, gotta recognize our sin. We need to confess our mess. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is why it's so important that we allow other people in our life, that we confess with our mouth, listen, this is what's going on with me. See, 80% of you in this church are in a mess, and I know about that mess. And you might be sitting here today thinking, I know that she knows that I know that she knows my mess. Can I tell you this sermon was not prepared because of your mess? This was because of my mess, of what God's been doing in my life, what he's been teaching me. Therefore, I know that there are things in your life that you found yourself in a mess in that he wants to say, don't give up. Don't give up, we're gonna get through this. You just need to let people in. Number three is you need to do the hard work. It takes work. We gotta ask for help and be willing to do the work. Believe me, there are people that have walked through the same mess as you. You might think I'm the only one, that's why we hide a lot, that's why we allow shame in, because we think we're the only one. No, you're not. No, you're not. People have gone before you and they've learned those hard lessons. Did you know that Jesus needed help carrying the cross? Matthew 27, 32 says, as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. If Jesus needed help carrying the cross, how much more do we as humans need help carrying our cross? Walking through your mess might take days, weeks, months, or years, but how committed are you to see it through? Because it will stay with you until you face it head on. It will stay with you. But God promises you mercies. Lamentations 3.22 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The greatest act of mercy that God has given us is salvation. Do we believe that today? His mercy alone has the power to see us, see us through our mess. Everything else on top of that is a blessing. Everything else we get is the cherry on top. 
but his mercy, his grace, that's what restores us and redeems us. That's what transforms us if we commit our ways to him. If we do our part. The next thing that we need to do is be willing to give away what has been given to us. Matthew 28, 16 says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I ask you today, who are you teaching who are you sharing the lessons that you've learned with? Who are you giving mercy to? Today, there might be some of you who are sitting here and in the beginning of the message, you're like, mm, I'm not really being tempted with anything these days. I've got it pretty good, like I'm doing well. My first advice to you from the word of God is that pride comes before the fall. So I invite you to check yourself and to ask those around you and to look and see what's going on and maybe where some weak spots are. And then my next encouragement to you is that maybe God's calling you in this season to be a Simon for somebody. Maybe there's somebody that you are assigned to help walk them through that mess. But that's only gonna be able to happen if you're in the word, if you're being obedient, if you're walking in truth, walking in the spirit, listening to the wisdom around you. See, we have to be able to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. And that starts from the very beginning of recognizing our own mess. We have Jesus' commandment to go and to teach his word to bring others into the kingdom of God. And also in 2 Timothy, he encourages us to teach to others what has been given to us. What hard lessons have you learned? Have you been sharing them? If someone didn't teach me the proper way to clean up that paint, I would have continued to make an even bigger mess. But it took somebody coming to me and saying, Misty, stop. So God might be asking you today to be that voice to somebody else. And he might be asking you to receive that voice from somebody else. Are you willing? Are you willing? Jesus was the best example of serving others. We can often have a strong opinion of somebody else's mess. We can get mad at somebody else's mess. We can judge. But do you know what Jesus did? Before he died, before he went through the worst pain that anyone could ever have for you and I, 
he got down on his knees, he put a towel in his hands, and he washed his disciples' feet. He cleaned up their mess. Are we willing to help others clean up their mess? One of the most selfless things we can do is to serve others. Share our help, share our messes to help someone else. We need to be grateful for the mercy that we ha have received and be willing to give that mercy away. So some of us today, I believe, are finding themselves in that place of feeling like a mess. And I think it's pretty amazing that God put the prodigal son on Pastor Dylan's heart to share during worship, knowing that this was the direction that he gave me only about 12 hours ago, with no conversation. So today, I have to believe that God is calling some of us home that he is calling some of us who have been in the mess and who have said, it's too late, I'm not good enough, I'm not ready, I'm not, I, I can't, I gotta keep covering, I gotta keep hiding, and God is saying, just come as you are, because this is what I did, this is why I died for you, so that you can come to me just how you are, and then I wanna help you walk through that mess. I wanna put a robe of righteousness over you. I wanna give you peace and joy in the middle of your mess. So as we close today, I asked Pastor Christy if she would sing the song, Goodness of God, over us. And we sang, that was the last song that we sang during worship. But I, I sense that the Lord's not done and there's a few of us that need to solidify this truth in our hearts this morning. I'm gonna read you this word, these words before she sings it. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head down, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. In all my life you have been faithful. In all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice, you have led me through the fire, and in the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. And this morning, some of us need to know him as a loving father, and some of us need to know him as a friend. So I invite you as Christy begins to sing this song that when you're ready to declare that truth over you, that you would stand and join with her in worship, declaring that God is who he says he is. That he can help you in the middle of your mess. That he wants to help you in the middle of your mess. And that you can find purpose even in the midst of your own consequences of your own sin. God is faithful.
been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God all my life you have been faithful Jesus all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing God, we thank you for your love and your truth over our lives. God, I thank you for the individual, even if it was just one, who came this morning and needed to hear of your redeeming power. God, they needed to hear that it's okay if they're in the middle of a mess, that you still love them and that you have the power to help them through it. And God, I ask for those that are here, that you are calling to be a Simon, God, that they would say yes, that they would be willing, God, to share their mess, their lessons with others, God, so that they can find that hope and that freedom that they have found. Lord, we thank you for your truth this morning. Would it continue to resonate in us throughout this week? God, that we would be faithful to look to you in the morning when we wake up, all throughout the day and when we lay our head down at night, that we would sing of your goodness, God, that we would declare your goodness, that we would take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on you, Lord. God, you are good, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 
Well, church, thank you for being here this morning. I pray that you leave encouraged, filled with truth, and challenged this week. And come back next week. We've got our pastor, Dave Veach, who is our uh, superintendent here in the, in the Northwest District of Foursquare. So you don't want to miss him being with us and sharing next week. Bless you.